Hello and welcome to our discussion of the Trade and Technology Council. My name is Jason Oxman. I'm the President and CEO of the Information Technology Industry Council, or ITI. ITI is the global trade association of the technology industry, and we're proud to represent the world's most innovative technology companies. Our discussion today is focused on the Trade and Technology Council, a new initiative to foster further and closer relations between the EU and the US on a wide variety of trade and technology-focused policy issues. We have a very special guest speaker who I'll introduce in just a moment. But first, a few thoughts on the importance of the Trade and Technology Council. ITI was the first organization to propose and support the Trade and Technology Council because of the importance and historic close relations between the EU and the US. For the technology industry, the global pandemic has highlighted the importance of the products and services that we make available to consumers and businesses around the world. We are all familiar from our ability to work from home, our children's ability to learn from home, our ability to access our doctors remotely, of the vital role that technology products and services play in our ability to adapt to and eventually recover from the pandemic. The global economy is working hard to bring prosperity back post-pandemic as well, and the technology industry is helping power that recovery. The policy issues that are involved in the new EU-US Trade and Technology Council are focused on how to foster innovation and protect consumers and promote economic growth. And those are the topics that we're going to discuss in this important program today. The technology industry is very broad. We all think of the technology industry as consumers in the products and services that we use to access online networks, the devices we carry around with us to stay connected. But the technology industry, of course, is much broader than that. It's all of those consumer-facing products and services, but it's also the energy-efficient buildings that we work in and the homes that we live in powered by technologies from companies like Siemens, uh, companies like Schneider Electric and the Honeywell. It's the wireless networks that power our connectivity made by companies like Ericsson, Cisco, and uh, SK Hynix. It's the medical technology that en enables us to access our doctors remotely made by companies like Medtronic. It's software solutions from SAP and Oracle. It's the Zoom technology that we use to power our remote connectivity to work. It's advanced computing from companies like IBM and HPE. It's software, it's medical technology, it's wireless networks, and much more. And the Trade and Technology Council is very focused on addressing the policy issues that promote innovation. The work of the Trade and Technology Council is going to restore relations between the EU and the US on policy decisions that in some cases have been divergent. Uh, but the connections between our two markets across the Atlantic and the hundreds of millions of consumers that policymakers are empowering through their decisions uh, have never been more important. Uh, the first meeting of the Trade and Technology Council was held in Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania in the US and subsequent meetings will happen in Europe and uh, we are very excited to hear about how the opening meeting went. Um, and very excited to hear about the pathway forward. Our guest speaker today is, of course, intimately involved uh, in those discussions. 
she is Margaret Vestager, who is the Executive Vice President of the European Commission, and also one of the co-chairs, along with her colleague, Executive Vice President Zombrovskis, of the Trade and Technology Council from the EU side. Of course, the US represented by the Secretary of State, Secretary of Commerce, and the US Trade Representative Executive Vice President Vestager, it is an absolute honor to have you here with us today to share your thoughts on the Trade and Technology Council, uh, your uh, takeaways from the opening session that was held uh, in late September, and your thoughts on the pathway forward uh, for this important group and discussions between the EU and US on all these important policy issues. So with gratitude for being here today, uh, let me ask you to share your thoughts with our audience. Well. Good morning, uh, and thank you very much uh, for this kind introduction. Um, and also, I think for, for reminding us that, that we're in the beginning of this new chapter where technology is enabling everything, agriculture, energy, transport, nice houses. Uh, so um, I, I, think, uh, I think we are of, of the essence of something here. But at the same time, uh, if we go to the polls, uh, our Western world, so not only Europe, but also the US, I think, I think maybe we could say that we are, we're in a uh, one-third uh, political crisis. Uh, just the other day, a, a survey here in Belgium showed that one-third of Belgians, they, uh, they no longer believe that they live in a democracy. Uh, One-third believe society uh, would be better run uh, if we replaced uh, parliamentary democracy with uh, dictatorship. Uh, and in case you think that this is just Belgium, uh, I, I must disappoint you, uh, because one-third uh, is also the proportion of Americans uh, who did not trust uh, the results of the recent presidential election. Uh, meanwhile, in France, uh, one-third uh, is also the proportion of people under 30 who would be happy for their country to become a military dictatorship. Uh, for me, and I hope for all of you, these polls, uh, they serve as a wake-up call uh, for politicians, for media, for civil uh, society. Uh, it's a call to action for all of us who believe uh, that the values that underpin a, a tolerant, a pluralist uh, society. Uh, and I think we must work harder to reach uh, this one third of the population, especially when it concerns young people. Uh, and not just to reach them, but to listen and to address root causes, uh, to show that their democracy deliver. Uh, and that is basically one of the things that the Trade and Technology Council is all about, to show that democracy can deliver. Uh, I think it's also a wake-up call for uh, industry leaders uh, in technology. Uh, there can be little doubt that trends in technology uh, have an effect uh, on the one-third uh, political crisis. Uh, obviously, and, and you just took us through it, uh, digital connectivity has, has brought us enormous benefits, easing communication, uh, helping us make it through the pandemic, uh, growth, innovation, so many positives uh, that comes from digitization. Uh, at the same time, uh, recent developments have also um, 
confirmed uh, that technology can have a deeply polarizing effect uh, in our societies. Uh, algorithms can push users uh, to the extremes, uh, widen political divisions, weaken our sense of a common humanity. Uh, the spread of disinformation has, has modeled the political debates and unfortunately become a tool uh, of interference in political processes. Uh, so the obvious question is what to do about it. Uh, I think we begin to return to values, the core ideas that unites us. Uh, they have defined our civilization for hundreds of years. They have uh, become the basis of our democracies. Maybe we have allowed ourselves actually to some degree to believe that we were by the end of history, a bit complacent, uh, taking values uh, for granted, a bit too much. And I think it's worth uh, to reinstate uh, and to show that not only do we believe in them, but we also deliver so that it's a real thing. And that, of course, be pluralism, democracy, equality, free and open markets, uh, and, of course, the respect of the planet uh, that we live on. Uh, and these are the values that have tied the EU and the US together uh, for generations. And they are also the starting point for this uh, our uh, renewed uh, transatlantic cooperation, the Trade and Technology Council. The values they are the starting point. Uh, the work uh, program is the delivery uh, on those values. Um, and on both the side of the Atlantic, I think we face common uh, challenges. Uh, how do we ensure that our supply chains, that they are uh, resilient? How do we foster open trade? Uh, how do we benefit from technology while minimizing uh, it's harmful effect on our markets, on mental health, uh, for that uh, matter, really of fundamental uh, importance. Um, and for each of those challenges, there are options. There are different directions uh, that we can choose to take. Uh, and by cooperating over the Atlantic, by building on the common values that we share, uh, we can steer in the same direction. Uh, we can take advantage of shared interests, but without letting the currents of history sort of just sweep away uh, what is our basics. The first uh, meeting, uh, as you say, in the Trade and Technology Council took place uh, two weeks ago in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think a very well-chosen venue by our hosts. Uh, because this, the story of this city's transformation from being built on, on coal and steel, and a very important uh, city uh, when it comes to coal and steel, um, to a, a, you know, a high-tech uh, hub, I think that also expressed what the TTC is about. The European Union in itself is built on coal and steel, and now we're in the process of transforming it uh, to be a, a digital hub uh, and societies making best use of, uh, of technologies. And, and what I was struck by uh, was the openness of, of our discussions, uh, the sense of, uh, of purpose. 
to combine our, our weight, uh, to build a positive vision for democracies, uh, to lead a global uh, digital uh, and um, transformation, and base that on shared values. Does not mean that we agree on everything. Uh, I can say that without uh, without saying too much. Uh, some of our discussions they they revealed that. But this does not mean that this is not a good way of understanding each other's each other better. Uh, build the trust necessary uh, and work through some of these uh, difficult areas as well. And, and of course, the thing is that if you both, both want to do something easy and something difficult, you have to start on both things at the same time. Otherwise, you never get to difficult. Then you only take the easy part and then you give up. So, so this is our uh, ambitious agenda uh, ahead of our, our next meeting. We have uh, designed uh, 10 working groups uh, that will uh, deliver. And looking at what was possible from June till September by the working groups, I was really impressed uh, by the work done. Uh, I think we can, uh, we can push this uh, even further. Uh, personally, uh, one of the things I find most encouraging is the common approach to artificial intelligence, uh, both in, in terms of the concrete principles where we have committed uh, in developing together, uh, but also uh, while looking at the use cases that pose the highest risk to fundamental values, also enabling you know, vast amounts of use cases for artificial intelligence to be uh, untouched uh, by regulation or to have a very, very uh, light uh, touch. Uh, second uh, result coming out of Pittsburgh uh, was to work together on, on semiconductors to understand the, the gaps and the vulnerabilities that has led uh, to, to the um, um, undersupply that we have already, uh, to work together to, to diversify, uh, reduce strategic uh, dependencies, um, and increase our uh, respective security of supply, while hopefully at the same time avoiding a subsidy raise. So to get best best possible value for money uh, when taxpayers' money will have to be uh, invested. And, uh, and the last thing I will mention as, uh, as a result from Pittsburgh is uh, shared concerns when it comes to the role of platforms. Uh, for instance, on illegal and harmful content, uh, algorithmic uh, amplification, uh, disinformation, data access for researchers, um, the need to, to find ways to address uh, market power in the best possible way. Uh, and, and we will hold in-depth discussion on all these uh, many issues. Um, openness is, is one of the things we share. Uh, this is also, of course, why I'm here, uh, while we talk with the European Parliament, but also why we will uh, continue what we started in Pittsburgh, which is stakeholder outreach. I was very impressed with the focus, uh, the dedication, the, the substance from union leaders, uh, employers, uh, NGOs, uh, consumer representatives. It's really promising that sense of ownership uh, as to what we do. As always, devil will be in the detail. Uh, and, uh, and for the TTC, these 10 working groups, they will have to flesh out uh, where we have uh, details. 
uh, I have no doubts that that takes them to keep up an open and frank dialogue and also to, again, engage with uh, stakeholders. Uh, and doing that, I think we can find a lot of common ground. Uh, the thing is, if, if the devil is in, in the detail, then, then uh, where is the angel? And, uh, and I'd say that, that the angel is, is in our values. And if we, can, if we can make that combination coming together from both sides of the Atlantic and, uh, and translate shared values into concrete deliverables from our society, well, then I think we can, we can do something good. And, uh, and I think that also shows that for none of us, two-thirds is enough. Uh, we want more. And, uh, and then hopefully we can also persuade the one-third uh, that democracy can deliver for them also on the essentials. So that would be my, my starting thoughts and probably have a thousand questions. So. I have a thousand, but I know you don't have time for all of them because uh, the other angel, other than the common value, is also the leadership that's going into this. So I want to applaud you um, and your colleague, uh, Executive Vice President Dombrovskis. You have a, a, a massive portfolio. We didn't even touch on other aspects of your responsibility as commissioner. You have the competition portfolio, the merger portfolio across all industries. So the fact that you're devoting the leadership and the time to do this uh, is another reason why it will be successful. So I want to thank you and applaud you for that. You mentioned so many issues that are so important to consumers and businesses in the EU and the US, ranging from semiconductors. We need to get more manufacturing capability built here in the EU. We need to get more manufacturing capability built in the US. And there's much progress uh, there, but more to be done. You mentioned the AI regulatory issue, obviously very important as well. There are also plenty of technology policy issues, even outside of the scope of the Trade and Technology Council, like the need, as we were talking about, before we went on air for a resolution to the Privacy Shield discussions, which are op we're optimistic about and are moving forward uh, and are very important as well. Uh, I did want to ask you um, how you thought the work of the Trade and Technology Council will uh, interact with the EU's own digital policy agenda and the roadmap for 2022. Uh, the issues that you discussed and many more are on the agenda for 2022 for discussion here and resolution and action here uh, in the EU. And I wanted to ask you for your thoughts on how the items that have been put on the agenda in those 10 working groups for the Trade and Technology Council, how do you see those interacting with what you hope the EU policy roadmap will look like the digital agenda for 2022? Well, the first thing on, on my mind, 2022, is, is to deliver. Uh, deliver on the Digital Services Act, the Digital Markets Act, Data Governance Act, uh, put on the table our Data Act, uh, and hopefully also push the, the AI uh, Act. And, and we have agreed from, from the very start when, when President Biden was here and, and President Biden and President von der Leyen agreed to set up the Tech and Technology Council that our discussions, well, they are without prejudice for our specific regulatory uh, processes. Because uh, obviously we will not uh, oblige, uh, we wouldn't even think of that, the European Parliament uh, or the Council uh, in their discussions about the proposals that we have tabled. And I think likewise on the other side of the Atlantic, um, it's really important uh, that Congress uh, devotes uh, 
what they want to devote uh, of energy on, on what has been tabled over there. But I think what we can achieve in, in, in discussing and agreeing on approaches to these things, that's while we have different regulatory processes, we have a different uh, history, we have a different body uh, of legislation, that to some degree there can be an alignment. And that alignment may also uh, inspire uh, the rest of the planet. Because when we did the G GDPR, when European citizens got their first sort of real digital rights, I think Europe was way ahead of the curve. It, it has taken some time for, uh, for other jurisdictions to catch up. It's happening now. It's a really good thing. When it comes to, for instance, the, the Digital Markets Act, Europe is ahead of the curve, but oh, only with a, a fraction. Uh, if you look at some of the proposals tabled uh, in Congress, you'd see that they more or less mirror uh, what we would do in the Digital Markets Act. So, so in that respect, uh, I think the Trade and Technology Council can have an effect outside of the Atlantic uh, partnership. And, um, and the second thing is that the working groups can then help us put this into life. Uh, the working group on artificial intelligence will try to see if, if there can be made a measuring tool to say, well, how do we actually uh, make sure that our demands on the use cases where there is a risk to fundamental values that these are being uphold, upheld. Can we do something? Can we make a tool uh, to make that happen? And I think that's, that's a good token uh, to show our approach, that we insist on delivering something that can be implemented. That is, that is the key uh, for this to be successful. And GDPR is such a great example. GDPR is probably the best example of how Europe has led the world. And uh, as you uh, alluded to, the United States has not yet been able to follow the European lead by adopting a federal privacy law, something that the United States should do, desperately needs to do. Um, and in the interim, uh, Europe will has been and will remain uh, an inspiration, I hope, for that kind of legislative activity uh, in the United States. Reasons why I, I I'm still puzzled that it doesn't happen is that the U.S. has su such a strong culture of of the individual, uh, from gun rights to the American dream. It's it's about the individual, that you should be respected. Your integrity, your dignity, is so fundamental in in the American society. And and I would think that that privacy would you know completely fit hand in glove with that culture. So um, they have, the Americans have, uh, have their way of doing things, but, but for me, that's a fundamental part. You would know better and could tell me why it doesn't happen. I, I totally agree. I wish I could tell you why it doesn't happen. There's so much momentum for it, and uh, we get these inspirational times where we think it's going to happen. Um, as you well know, some states have moved forward and adopted their own privacy laws in the absence of federal action. Ironically, that's the kind of uh, independent action that led the EU to adopt a system-wide uh, then 28-state um, privacy law rather than have 28 individual privacy laws. Uh, the U.S. runs the risk of having 50 different privacy laws if the federal action doesn't take place. Well, you and I share a, a, a hope that that will happen and uh, we will continue to push that forward and use GDPR as an, an inspirational example, if you will.
Um, you were very generous with your time today and sharing your candid thoughts. I want to again uh, thank you for your leadership and, and most importantly for your willingness to engage uh, all constituencies from industry to consumers to businesses to policymakers uh, across the Atlantic uh, to make sure that uh, European values and U.S. values are shared uh, in the adoption of technology policy decisions that help promote innovation and advance consumer well-being. Uh, and for your time today and sharing your thoughts and, and uh, whatever we can do to help uh, with that inspirational work uh, through the Trade and Technology Council, uh, we share your, uh, your optimism uh, about the, uh, the early yeah, days. You, you may be promising too much. <laughs> well, I, I will be here, whatever we can be called upon to help. Um, it sounds like, uh, although it hasn't been uh, announced and we look forward to its announcement, it sounds like the next gathering will be here uh, on, in Europe. Uh, and we look forward to uh, playing a part. We were honored to have the opportunity at ITI, uh, my colleague Rob Strayer, uh, to present uh, some industry thoughts uh, before the Trade and Technology Council. It's meeting in Pittsburgh. Uh, we hope to have that opportunity again. And, and again, we thank you for your leadership and for your uh, willingness to share your thoughts with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. And, and thank you for, for being part of this, because I said only with ownership in, in, uh, in organizations, in, among employers, unions, uh, consumers, the legislature, member states, only then uh, will it come to life. And, and of the geopolitics of today, I think it's important that democracies come together. Democracies will continue to come together. Thank you, Madam Executive Vice President Vestager. Uh, we will take a quick break while we uh, transition to the panel. We'll have an opportunity for our audience to uh, see a poll question that will come up. Please uh, insert your poll answers in there as we set up for the uh, panel discussion that will happen in just a few seconds.
And welcome back. Our discussion of the Trade and Technology Council between the EU and the US continues. My name is Jason Oxman. I'm the president and CEO of ITI, the Trade Association of the Technology Industry. It's our pleasure to be here live in Brussels at the studios of Euractiv, and we thank them for their partnership in helping make this event possible. Our thanks again to Commission Executive Vice President Vestager, who shared her candid thoughts on the inaugural meeting of the Trade and Technology Council and her policy roadmap for technology going forward. A great discussion, and we get to continue the discussion now with a panel of experts from across government and industry from both the EU and the US who are gonna share their thoughts on the Trade and Technology Council, technology policy issues, and what we can expect going forward. Let me introduce our panelists to you. You see them on the screen there. Um, three of the four of them are live uh, with us here in Brussels. One is very generous with her time up early in the morning uh, from Washington, DC. So let me start by introducing uh, Ruth Berry, who's Director of Digital Technology Policy from the National Security Council in the White House in Washington, DC. Ruth, good morning, and thank you so much for uh, getting up early to be with us today. Let me also introduce a uh, member of the European Parliament, uh, Anna Michelle Asimakopoulou, who is member of European Parliament and vice chair of the European Parliament's International Trade Committee. Anna Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Matthias Jorgensen is head of unit for USA and Canada at DG Trade with the European Commission. And Diane Mivis, uh, in the middle, in between Anna Michelle and uh, Matthias, is uh, from Cisco, uh, an ITI member company. She is head of EU telecoms, sustainability, and trade policy for Cisco. Well, thank you all for being with us uh, today. I want to ask uh, each of you for your reaction uh, to um, Executive Vice President Vestager's comments. Uh, she seemed very optimistic about the hopes for the future for the Trade and Technology Council coming out of the September 29th and 30th meeting in Pittsburgh. 10 working groups formed on a variety of subjects ranging from supply chain security to semiconductors to platform policy to standards and many more issues. Uh, I wanted to ask each of you for your thoughts not only on her comments but perhaps more importantly, what do you think are the most important issues for the Trade and Technology Council to work on? What do you think are the most important outcomes that could come out of uh, subsequent meetings? And do you share that sense of optimism about the work of the TTC uh, going forward? Uh, Anna Michel, let me start with you for your thoughts. Thank you, Jason, and thank you very much to ITI and to Euractiv. It's an honor and a pleasure to be in this very distinguished panel and discussing today. So, look, I'm a big fan of the transatlantic relationship. That's the reason I'm here. I'm a big fan of uh, the TTC. I was really happy to hear it announced. Uh, I was really worried when AUKUS happened um, and there was a chance that this wouldn't go forward. So I'm really pleased that it took place. It was very interesting to hear the VP talk about her um, her experience there. So. Um, at the same time, I think we really need to have sort of measured, reasonable expectations about what it can deliver. I'm very happy to aspire to um, um, VP Vestager's objective of delivering democracy to citizens, but um, I think it's very important for us to sort of define what the TTC is expected to do, and I think the way to start is to, to, to say what it isn't. So it's not TTIP, 
we those of us who went through that. It's not TTIP. It's not as 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 uh, Commissioner said. It's not a top down legislative exercise. Um, it's a forum, and, and it's called the Trade and Technology Council. So I'll, I'll build on the C part. So it's it's a forum for trade and technology communication, for trade and technology collaboration, for trade and technology, um, hopefully, convergence, uh, maybe consensus on trade and technology consensus on some issues. And I think, you know, going through these these concepts to avoid conflict, uh, I think um, compatibility is the word I would choose. Um, I heard uh, the commissioner talk about alignment. I would say our long-term relationship, transatlantic relationship, relies on compatibility. And I agree with this approach to work on everything, difficult and simple at the same time. So what would be the priorities? I think the critical stuff. Um, and clearly semiconductors is pretty critical right now. Um, stuff that we seem to be more compatible on is the approach, the value-based approach to AI, uh, the human-centric approach, the risk-based approach. I think that's a place where we can have some real progress. And then, of course, there's, you know, I've used every word that starts from C, and I'll call it non-market economy behavior because nobody wants to use the word China, which starts from Qi, but, but I, it doesn't matter if we use it or we don't use it. We need to deal with those trade issues as well. So I think that that's a good forum to do that as well. So I think I'll stop with that, Jason, as a, an opening comment. But uh, I, I'm optimistic that this is a good way for, forward and an optimistic that this is a good forum that can keep going when sometimes, you know, politics get in the way of results. It's good to hear that sense of optimism. Uh, Matthias, you uh, are from DG Trade uh, here at the Commission uh, in Brussels. Uh, you look after the US and uh, Canada policy portfolio. Uh, and obviously, DG Trade has a strong role to play in those 10 working groups. Uh, do you share that sense of optimism uh, coming out of the first meeting of the TTC? Yes, I, I very much share that uh, sense of optimism. I also share the uh, importance that uh, Vice President Vestager uh, attaches to to the forum, uh, and that uh, it was uh, that it took place uh, so rapidly after the uh, the, the EU US uh, summit uh, in June. Uh, I think uh, when we when we look at how important uh, this meeting was, I think we we have to take a couple of uh, of issues uh, in in consideration. I may just want to highlight that. Uh, this is an incredibly important trade and investment relationship. It really is uh, the biggest one in, in, in the world. So how it goes has, is of importance. Um, it hasn't been without problems. Um, and uh, we are now, uh, particularly in the last four years under the previous administration, I think a number of, uh, of problems really uh, came to, to, to a head and there was a, there was a risk of drifting further apart. So I think it's incredibly important that we are now in a positive uh, trajectory and a positive dynamic with the U.S. when it comes to trade uh, and, uh, and, and investment. Um, and that's where the TTC comes in. Huh? Um, it's part of a number of, 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 of very concrete steps that we've been able to, uh, to take with this administration with the U.S. in the latest uh, uh, nine months or ten months. We've re-established dialogue. 
We put aside the aircraft dispute um, for quite some time. We sent a very strong signal uh, in the US, EU US summit that we wanted to work together on growing bilateral trade and investment and face uh, joint challenges like uh, WHO or the C or N word that, uh, that Anna Michelle said, the non-market economy uh, issue. And uh, we now have the uh, Trade and uh, Technology Council uh, established um, with um, what I found is a very strong and, and, and solid structure. We're combining top-level uh, political uh, dynamism through the involvement of absolute top-level uh, people from, from both sides. Uh, we have a strong uh, technical uh, working uh, group structure looking at a whole number of issues. Um, and uh, we also uh, are very determined in getting uh, stakeholders involved uh, from both sides and also getting stakeholders of all kinds uh, together to give us, uh, to give us input. Now, um, the, the, the challenge that we have in front of us is to, uh, is to deliver. It's always easy to have a first, uh, uh, first successful meeting. Now we have to, to get the work uh, going, but I think we have the structures uh, for that. And, and we in DG Trade are very uh, uh, excited, I would say, uh, to, to, to continue to use the TTC to really continue this positive trajectory uh, that we are uh, on with the US to let, uh, to, to take disputes out of the focus focus on the values that we share and build on that. And that's, I think that's why I want you to pick up uh, from what uh, uh, EVP Vestager said. There's so much, there, there are things that divide us, but there's so much that we, more that we share than what uh, divides us. And I think we have a real possibility to build on that uh, in, in the TTC, make our bilateral trade and investment stronger, strengthen the capacity of both EU firms and US firms around the world and taking on some very uh, difficult uh, challenges. And that's what we're going to look at, for example, in the Working Group 10, where we're going to look at uh, how to avoid uh, trade barriers in, in services and goods uh, in the area of new and emerging technologies. We're going also to look at environment uh, and, and, and labor issues, and we're going to look at uh, non-market economy issues. So. We're trying to roll up our sleeves and, 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 get, and get work started, um, even though it's just around, well, just two, two weeks since we had the summit. Terrific. Let's uh, head across the Atlantic for the U.S. perspective. Ruth, uh, you're at the National Security Council in the White House, uh, but you've been engaged on international uh, policy issues for a very long time. In fact, the last time you and I spoke at an event together was in Singapore, uh, and you were at the State Department focused on uh, coordinating international financial regulatory uh, issues. Uh, Ruth, we have two votes of optimism coming out of the initial uh, TTC meeting uh, in Pittsburgh, and I wonder if you can share with us the U.S. government's perspective on that initial meeting and uh, your sense of uh, where we go from here. Thank you, good morning. Uh, I'm glad to have this opportunity uh, to speak here. Um, I absolutely share the optimism that has been expressed by um, both EVP Vestager and the other panelists here today. Um, I think um, 
you know, several of the previous panelists pointed to something I think is really important, which is both the top-down um, political uh, leadership and um, dynamic dynamicism at the top, uh, with a very bottom-up approach where we're focused on um, technical experts on both sides of the Atlantic, looking across these range of important issues. Um, and determining how best we can work together to address some of those challenges. Um, before you know, I had started my uh, time at the National Security Council, I felt very strongly that one of the greatest challenges and opportunities was to get to a point where you can have um, US and EU uh, combat compatibility or convergence or alignment on how we set the rules of the road for the 21st century when it comes to um, the development, the design and the deployment uh, of technology that underpin so many important aspects of our lives. Um, and I think doing so in a way that uh, supports uh, and reflects our democratic values, um, respect for human rights, respect for privacy, um, and also respect for workers um, and diversity and inclusion. Um, and so I think this is just an incredible opportunity and it's great to see the momentum that built um, between the announcement of the council and the first meeting with really a robust joint statement uh, that I think laid out uh, a, a huge number of areas where um, U.S. and your uh, the EU see areas to work together. Um, so I think you know what was announced uh, as sort of some early um, deliverables or areas for collaboration in the terms of investment screening and export controls, um, artificial intelligence, semiconductor supply chains, and global trade challenges. Um, those are those are some of the areas that were most ripe for uh, deliverables. But those are what I would say are not the only priorities. Um, and as we take easy things and hard things uh, at the same time, you'll start to see other issues sort of rise to the top in future events. Um, as sort of the key deliverables for that. Um, you know, as others have mentioned, there's been some strain in the relationship between um, the US and Europe. Um, and this is an opportunity to focus on areas where we can converge um, and help rebuild um, the transatlantic relationship. But of course, there will be continue to be areas where we disagree. Um, and we will not shy away from having those conversations as well and building better understanding on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, and how we can work together, if even if we don't have the same approaches, if we at least have the same values um, and are coming at things from the same direction. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say on this is, you know, it, there are lots of issues bilaterally that are very important to discuss, but I also think it's very important for the US and Europe to figure out ways that we can work together to show global leadership on some of these important areas. And so I think that external focus is also a very important aspect of the Trade and Technology Council. Thanks. Thanks, Ruth. That's unanimous optimism on uh, the government side. And uh, let's go over to Diane now uh, and see if the industry perspective brings that spirit of optimism as well. Uh, Diane, Cisco is obviously a globally known uh, network uh, equipment manufacturer and operator and systems and services that power the way we all communicate. So Cisco's perspective is obviously enormously valuable uh, here. Uh, I wonder if you can tell us, uh, from industry's perspective, your takeaways from the Trade and Technology Council and, and what you're hoping that they will take on successfully as they move forward. 
Thank you so much, Jason. And, you know, thank you for inviting Cisco, you know, in, in this debate. Honestly, for us, you know, uh, we have been fully supportive of the Trade and Technology Council, uh, you know, the, the, the different working groups that have been set up. And we are very thankful also to ITI because we know that uh, you have been also driving this, uh, you know, demand for having uh, this sort of council across the Atlantic. So we, we're really, really uh, happy to be part of the discussion. So coming back to uh, the keynote of... Uh, Market Vestager. I think you know one thing that I really uh, liked in her speech was uh, this share of purpose. You know that she mentioned, and I think you know for a company like Cisco, we really want to be part of that. We really want to make sure that you know as a company who has roots in California, but you know the value or value are so profoundly actually European. We want to make sure that uh, we we participate to the discussion that we build uh, the future that will be a digital that. That will be green, that will be inclusive and secure. And for us, there, there are three main uh, calls for action uh, that are actually aligned huh, with the different working groups that have been set up. Uh, the first one is really connectivity. And we have seen that, you know, especially with the pandemic, we see that uh, there's really something that the United States and the EU can do, notably when you look at uh, the 3 billion plus people across the world that are still unconnected to the internet due to the lack of affordability, due to the lack of accessibility or, or simply a lack of skills. Uh, and of course, the pandemic has broadened that. So uh, here we really have something to do uh, together, um, you know, bringing the solutions, bringing the technologies, uh, really building a bridge that's, that, is, that will be something positive for the rest of the world. Um, and then secondly, and uh, of course with uh, today's G20 Trade Minister meeting that is happening um, and, and MC12 also just around the corner, uh, of course we have to mention global trade challenges. Uh, you know, the policymakers told us to uh, not have our expectations too high. Uh, obviously, as industry, we keep our uh, hopes really high. So hopefully, you know, we will meet somewhere in the middle uh, at some point. But, you know, recently for us, uh, you know, while before international trade was all about uh, creating jobs, you know, creating growth, uh, also seeking efficiency. Here it has been, you know, about uh, tariffs. It has been about supply chain disruption. It has been about new market barriers, uh, you know, for uh, entering key markets. So what do we do about that? And sometimes we feel a bit powerless here. So we really hope that MC12, you know, will uh, bring some of the responses to those questions um, and, and, and really also bring, you know, some more, some new impulse. Uh, you know, this year, this year is also the 25 uh, anniversary of the WTO Information Technology Agreement. Uh, it has brought, you know, tremendous benefits for customers and for industry alike. And now is actually the time to also broaden it and perhaps to have some sort of agreement on digital trade and e-commerce. Uh, but it's also the time to, uh, and of course, uh, you know, we cannot speak about trade today without speaking about how we make trade greener and more sustainable. And here, of course, uh, comes my uh, third call for action uh, on climate and environment. Uh, COP26 is now just a few weeks ahead. Um, you know, with the terrible fires and, and floods we had, you know, in Europe and also in the United States uh, during last summer, uh, we really believe that COP26 will be a defining moment for world leaders. We have to take responsibility there. 
Uh, and at Cisco, we are so proud, you know, that last month uh, we announced that we will become net zero, uh, net zero by 2040 for scope three, but also uh, net zero for scope one and two by 2025. Uh, and here, you know, it's coming back to the share of uh, purpose and the share of responsibility that we have. Uh, it's not only about how we improve our own carbon footprint, but also how we help other sectors, you know, on this journey, how we make sure that they also become net zero. Um, and very obviously, you know, for us, we are strong believers in the streamization of green and digital, and we really want to be part of this discussion. Uh, I'll just stop here for the moment. Thanks, Diane. One of the issues that uh, EVP Vestager uh, mentioned is that the Trade and Technology Council is not a replacement for the legislative process, either in the US or in Europe. We're very lucky to have um, an actual legislator here with us, so I wanted to ask um, member of European Parliament, uh, Asima Kopulu, um, for your thoughts on the legislative track um, that impacts the Trade and Technology Council. Uh, a lot of discussion about the EU-US relationship happening in the uh, European Parliament. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, how a potentially positive continuation of the Trade and Technology Council influences the parliamentary discussion uh, that you and your colleagues are having about the EU-US relationship? Yeah, well, let me just first say that, you know, the, 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 uh, the backdrop of this, the atmosphere in Parliament is, is quite pro the, the transnational, the transatlantic relationship. So um, there's momentum in Parliament as well for this relationship to, uh, to move forward. Now, you know, we're working on the DMA and the DSA, the Digital Markets Act, the Digital Services Act, hoping that this will be concluded in trilogue by the end of the year, an ambitious objective, but one that we seem to be on track. And then we have, then our next hurdle is the AI Act. Um, EVP uh, Vestager talk, and you talked about GDPR, right? And, and what's, uh, what's called the Brussels effect, that is, you know, we make this a standard in Brussels and it becomes a global standard because people want to do business with us. And so we're hoping to, to make the gold standard for AI with this AI Act. Um, these are these are all good objectives, and they they certainly um, maybe can inspire our counterparts across the Atlantic to move forward in a more positive way. Although I do have to say, because I listen very carefully to you know your push for this privacy, this federal privacy act, um, you know there's there's two sides to to every coin, and um, you also want innovation. You want industry to be able to innovate. So, you know, we're always, even in Parliament, we, we're always in this delicate balancing act. I know Diane is shaking her head because she understands what I'm talking about, this delicate balancing act where, of course, we don't want to compromise on fundamental rights and values. And, you know, uh, these are common values with the United States. But at the same time, look around us and, you know, there's other systems that are not democratic. And... They're making leaps and bounds innovation-wise because of the rules. Um, so we don't want to forget about industry and innovation and making sure that these rules allow them to make the, you know, the progress they need in Europe and in the United States. 
That makes good sense. Uh, Matthias, I want to come to you on that same question and then uh, get Ruth's perspective on the U.S. environment. Um, what are your thoughts on the interplay between legislative proposals, both in the U.S. and uh, here in Europe, uh, and whether those uh, impact the ability of the Trade and Technology Council to move forward productively um, at the same time? Um, I think that what we would like to see the GTC uh, contribute to uh, is to grow trade and investment, bilateral trade and investment, and to improve the possibilities of uh, firms uh, on each side to grow and to prosper in the world. And, and that's a very important uh, issue, and, and I think the, the MEP just, uh, just underlined that we are not alone in the world. We have very big trading uh, blocks and, and, and economic actors, but we are not, uh, we're not alone and there are very big players out there who also want to uh, influence uh, wh what's going on and, and want to uh, ensure the best possible uh, opportunities for their firms. Now, um, we have a chance to work together and when we, we know that when we work together, we can move things forward. Uh, and that's that that's that's a possibility there. Uh, when when it comes to what uh, what what impact it will have on the uh, legislative uh, agenda or the rules, I think what we would like to try to have the uh, TTC be is um, low on acronyms and uh, and big on results. Huh? But those results will also imply. Uh, for example, maybe looking into where can we facilitate uh, uh, mutual recognition agreements, where can we avoid uh, differences in standards, uh, so, 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 and where can we possibly converge, which is one of the C words that I, that I prefer, that I like a lot, uh, or coordinate. Um, so, so, so we definitely see this as a forum in which we should be able to um, to challenge each other, maybe, when we're on a legislative track in one or the other uh, area. Um, if we feel that the other side is maybe subsidizing too much or coming with some rules on uh, on, on, on local content, uh, which we, which we don't, which we don't uh, favor, um, and that be uh, a trusted space of uh, of, uh, of dialogue. Huh? So 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 that we avoid avoid uh, incompatibility and, and incoherence. That we optimize the possibilities for, for 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 growth, and that we get the right rules which both uh, which both protect workers and the environment. Uh, and which help us in this green and digital transition, which is so important for uh, for, for for the EU uh, uh, at this moment, but with the idea of it being pro-trade, pro-growth. That makes a lot of sense. Ruth, over to you um, for the U.S. perspective. I know you're not in the legislative branch, and uh, I don't want to ask you to uh, prognosticate about what the Congress will do. I don't even want to ask Congress to prognosticate about what Congress is going to do. Um, but I wanted to ask you uh, specifically about one area that I know you're very focused on, which is uh, standard setting. In fact, group, group one of the 10 groups uh, is focused on international standards and ITI, uh, which is actually an ANSI accredited standards body ourselves, uh, are very supportive of voluntary industry-driven technical standards. Uh, and I wonder if you can uh, talk for just a minute, and uh, this may be the, the last uh, topic we get to address today, because uh, we're running short on time, uh, about your uh, sense of standards activities as part of the TTC and what we might be able to move forward there. Sure. Uh, 
the Biden administration is very focused on the importance of standards, setting bodies and setting standards. And as you mentioned, this is why it's a prominent working group within the Trade and Technology Council. Um, under the TTC, we hope to develop common approaches for coordination and cooperation on critical and emerging technology standards, including AI and other areas. Um, I think there's sort of a couple ways to look at standards. So there's cooperation on technical standards, but also working together focused on principles-based standards and norms around how technology is developed, how technology is designed and deployed uh, to ensure that it's aligned with and supports our shared values, such as democracy, freedom of information, privacy and respect for human rights. Uh, the statement on AI uh, that was released in Pittsburgh is an important articulation of how technologies um, can be developed uh, in a manner that reflects these values. Uh, but it's also important to work together to set the agenda and drive positive outcomes um, in multilateral standards bodies, such as the International Telecommunications Union, which has its plenipotentiary coming up in 2022. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to express the Biden administration's support for Dreen Bogdan Martin's candidacy for the Secretary General of the ITU. Uh, she's incredibly qualified and I think well-placed to uh, ensure that this sector um, is led in a way that supports the needs of developing countries, um, as well as um, important uh, human rights and other values. Um, when it comes to other standards bodies, I think the saying goes, people support what they help create. Uh, and this is why it's important that these technical uh, standards bodies, industry-led standards bodies are inclusive and multi-stakeholder. Under the TTC, the US and Europe are also gonna explore approaches to fostering increased participation in these standard setting bodies uh, by industry, by small and medium enterprises, civil society, and other stakeholders. Um, and so this is another key area where stakeholder involvement in the work of the TTC is absolutely critical. Um, and groups like ITI are really helpful in um, ensuring that this dialogue happens and that um, the US and Europe can, can and our industry can continue to show leadership um, in these critical standards bodies. And that's a great note to end on. Ruth, uh, you'll be pleased to know that on our survey that we ran, uh, the overwhelming uh, selection of our audience by 45% uh, was standard setting as the activity area where um, the TTC can be most helpful. Uh, that'll be the last word. We're out of time. Uh, let me thank uh, Ruth and Anna Michel and Diane and Matthias uh, for their excellent participation and discussion points uh, here. And uh, of course, uh, thanks again to Executive Vice President Vestager. And thanks to all of you uh, in the audience for joining us today. I'm Jason Oxman. On behalf of ITI, the Trade Association of the Technology Industry, uh, we are grateful to all of you for your engagement and support uh, of the work of the Trade and Technology Council and the partnership between government, policymakers, and industry to help advance these important technology policy discussions. Thanks again to our partners at Your Active, and uh, I wish you all a good day.